Sunday afternoon baseball, baby. Blue Jays, Tampa Bays, the rubber match. Reuse on the mound today, so it's also a bit of a playoff rematch. The big question for today is can I stay awake through the whole game because it turns out I bought the wrong allergy medicine and have been accidentally taking generic Benadryl every morning for the past two weeks thinking I was taking generic Reactin or Claritin. A lot of things are starting to make sense now, but... Still, I am in bed and groggy as fuck. Pre-game, we got a little interview with Marcus Simeon, who's playing shortstop today because Ryu is pitching, so Bo is DHing. And that interview was brought to you by the ever-pretentious Arash Madani, and <laughs> sounded a bit like this. David, hit me with a quick Madani impression, please. Uh, hey, man. When... When you're out on the field, man, and 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 you're playing shortstop, what does it feel like, man? <laughs> Nobody does it better. On the mound for the Rays is Luis Patino, who is probably pretty good. In his first inning, he fits that bill with three straight strikeouts after walking Cabin Biggio. I'm watching the game in bed and attempting to close my eyes and turn over for the commercials and then watch when it's back on. And so far, the only thing keeping me awake is the jaw-clenching rage I feel when I hear Quest Trade commercials and their snarky bullshit semantics wordplay formula they have come up with. Fire your marketing company that came up with that bullshit. And if anyone knows who the copywriter is at that company, let me know so I can find out where they live. Go there, seal their doors with Flex Seal products and walk around their house with a tank of gasoline and then burn them alive. And as they scream, help, help, I can't breathe. The door is stuck. I'll be like, I'll be right there. Dude, help is not a plan. And the door isn't stuck. It's sealed. Flex sealed. Premeditated murder. Bottom of the fourth now. Two outs and a runner at first. Ryu has just done a deep squat and got up and wiggled his finger over to the dugout for someone to come and talk to him. And after half the team gathered around him, Hunjin Ryu is walking off and into the dugout. So, yay! Ryu's face gave off no indication of how serious it might be, but at least it looks like it's not his arm. I am a zombie. Maybe I could reignite my acting career if I do a little self-tape right now, just walking around, looking in the camera. I'm eating pizza pockets from Walmart as Marcus Simeon gets the first hit for the Blue Jays and the first hit for him that wasn't pulled. And I think he is starting to look pretty good since getting out of the leadoff spot. And now Guriel has a bunt single and moves things along. Here we go. Panic manages to squib something slow enough that he doesn't get doubled off, so it's runners on the corners. One out for David's favorite player and his preferred leadoff guy, Santiago Espinal, who battles and hits a super low ball, just reaches out and chips it over the infield for an RBI single, and it's one nothing Blue Jays. Jansen comes up and smokes a ball at the bald third baseman and his glove falls off and he looks dumb but Willie the shortstop grabs it and throws it to second and Espinal is out by a lot for a force out. Now I had to take Bruce out for a walk in my zombie state so I pressed pause and came back half an hour later and the TV was off. And the pause did not work, so, so I walk back in, and it's the top of the night. Still one nothing, two outs, runners on the corners for Danny Jansen. 
And I'm guessing it was the first time in a long time he accomplished what he wanted to do because he hit that straight up into the trap ceiling, hoping to get it lost in that white roof. But he just got unlucky when it was easily caught in the infield. Dolis came in and somehow managed to get three outs before I could finish crafting that wonderful line about Danny Jansen. So, the Blue Jays win. What fun and delight. Hey, you try and take a Benadryl and make it through a single run scoring three and a half hour baseball game and make a good game diary. Boom! There you have it. And this is Underdogs. We are the Underdogs. (laughs) David Patrick Fleming and Jacob Eamon here today. This is, what is it? Tuesday. April the 27th, you out there at some, in some way, in some part of your life, you are also an underdog. So embrace it. Jacob, I fucking hate watching games at Tropicana Field. Yeah. Is it, you said that Fenway Park is the best atmosphere in all of sports. Is Tropicana the worst? Yeah. hundred percent. It's like, it's like Major League Baseball had sex with the CFL and (laughs) their baby was Tropicana field. It is like the, it's the physical representation of a half cheer. Like, Hey, that's what the whole games feel like. Like, Hey, I'm tired. It, it is the worst. Mm -hmm. It sucks the life out of you. The whole, everything about it. The lighting is brutal. How, how, How did they make a professional baseball stadium? With a white ceiling, how does that? How did? How did? How did that get past? Don't you find those things in baseball so odd that they hit like these? These are like when I'm like when I'm watching Tropicana Field, I'm, I'm like, there must be a league higher than this. This right. this must just be. There must be another place that these guys can get to to play in a better field. But yet you watch these guys worth hundreds of millions of dollars staring up into the ceiling with their arms out like i don't know where it is i can't see anything (laughs) and then the ball drops down the umpires have to talk to each other for 10 minutes like i didn't see it either where the fuck was it i didn't see it and then you have other times in baseball where there's a shadow directly in front of the plate and a guy's gunning 98 and it's like they can't see Mm -hmm. there's all these weird things that happen in baseball that that yeah tropicana field is the worst dunedin's probably a better place and it's a minor league stadium. Oh, for sure. For sure it is. I guarantee you the Rays would be like, after you guys go to Buffalo, can you play there? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but nevertheless, Blue Jays take two of three from Tropicana. It was an yep. uh, interesting series. Starts out with Glasnow. And if you were listening to Toronto radio and maybe even national baseball radio, I'm not sure. There were people that were calling for the Blue Jays to get no hit. Mm-hmm. Tyler Glass now had come in. I think he'd let up nine hits in his first 90 batters. He hadn't let up a home run. Well, Marcus Simeon, ding dong, first inning. Blue Jays go up 4 nothing. It was a great first inning. It was a great way to start a series in Tropicana Field. But then, you know, similar kind of problems happened throughout that series. Shitty defense. Yeah. Got Bo Bichette, shitty defense. You got Kevin Biggio, shitty defense. Joe Panic joined the shitty defense parade uh, there. I guess there's just a curse at third base because uh, he made a few errors at third base. And then even when Simeon was shifted over to third base on uh, 
on a certain play, he he tanked the ball over there as well. It's almost like it's a uh, difficult thing to just like play third base when you're not third baseman. That's weird. You'd think that just if you owned a baseball glove and you knew how to play baseball, <laughs> you'd easily be able to play third base. Yeah. Unless, unless uh, they have this thing on the team where before anybody plays first, even on a shift, they have to have a conversation with Cabin on what's the best way to go about it. Yeah. And then Cabin's like, you know, I like to field that ball. And, you know, if by chance it gets in my glove, I like to take it and just hike it into the ground. And they're like, are you sure? Are you sure? I just hike it into the ground. And he's like, trust me, trust me. My dad's an all-star. <laughs> and so then they just hike it into the ground. And they're like, I don't know, man. <laughs> hey, hey, it was the second week in a row. I texted you, I think, before the last Ryu start. And I was like, hey. Look, Bo's DHing. Simeon's playing short today. What do you think that means? And we had a whole discussion about whether or not Bo was the future shortstop, what they think about that. And then lo and behold, a week later, same situation. They don't like they 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 prioritize getting that win with Ryu. So they put the best defense out there, or they try to. And My it's not including Bo Bichette. <laughs> My question on that is because we see that and, and it, we make that. Uh, we make that up in our mind that that's why they're doing that. And it probably is. But do you think that it's communicated that way? Or do you think it's just like, oh, shit, you know, we were going to get you off your feet today. And, oh, it just happens to be Ryu. And, yeah, Bo, uh, I want you to DH today. Do you think they treat him like a diva movie star? Or do you think that there's like a sense of truth within that organization? Like, Hey man, uh, you're not cutting it there, and we got Ryu lots of ground balls. So Simeon's gonna play shortstop, and we're gonna have your bat in the lineup. You're gonna you're gonna DH. Do you think it's that clear, or do you think it's like he's a movie star? I think it's it's more on the movie star. I think it's I don't know. I think it's like they're not saying anything, and he knows. I think he's probably talking. You know, he talks to Kevin Biggio, or you know. But I think it's uh, like the day before. It's like, yep, yeah, okay, D at DH will be Biggio, and they're not. I don't know. Maybe maybe they're having adult conversations about it, but it's it's hard for me to believe because I don't know how that would help the confidence of you to just straight up be like, yeah, listen, um, we got our best pitcher and we really need to win this game, and we don't we feel like we can't win with you playing shortstop. So we're gonna put Marcus there today. <laughs> you can come back for uh, when Robbie Ray's pitching or or uh, Trent Thornton. Enjoy. Yeah, it's got to be so tough though because. My sense of Bo is that he is probably, you know, and I always have to say this, but I think it's important to say it. I have no idea. I'm just taking a guess here. I'm just throwing darts into the night. My guess is that he's a bit of a diva. Yeah. My guess is that behind the scenes, he's a little bit moody. And so if you have a guy like that, then that can change the way that you're going to try to communicate to him. Like if he were a different guy, you might be able to have the realistic conversation, but maybe if he is like that, you do have to tiptoe around him. And, and it must come down to, I guess what it comes down to is wanting to sign him long-term in theory, or, you know, yeah. it must be because other, otherwise you would just be like, uh, play second base and shut your mouth. Yeah, like because they have control over him for six years. Like he can't do anything. He would have to do what they tell him to do. Yeah, I think that, I think that the, 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 I mean I think about this all the time. 
Like, if we take him off short, will he sign somewhere else? Probably as a shortstop, you know? Like, there's going to be... The Rockies are going to be like, we'll take you at short. No way. Not after five years in the big leagues playing second base. No way. I don't know. I don't know. That's like It's like Manny Machado. Machado did that. He Machado playing, did what? He played third base for the Orioles forever, and then he's like, I want to I wanna be a shortstop. Gets traded to... Or did he played shortstop with the Dodgers for a while? I guess when Seager was out, and then he got traded, or he signed with the Padres and and started as a shortstop. They bring up Tatis, and he's like, "All right, you play shortstop," <laughs> even yeah, though no, it, but- even though Tatis isn't a, sh- a good shortstop. I don't know. Yeah, that's another thing that's interesting. You don't hear nearly the talk about Tatis as you do about Bo, and Tatis has more errors than Bo, which is that's really hard to do. Mm-hmm. Like you have mm-hmm. to be clanging on almost every ball that's hit to you to get more errors than than Boba Shep. The the Blue Jays have the most errors of any team on the left side of the infield. Yeah, that makes that makes sense. But what can you do? I mean, we've talked about this at nauseum and we could, you know, keep talking about it. I really don't know. It's it seems like such a clusterfuck no matter which way you look at it. If and then if you start adding Espinal into the mix of playing third base, the it just gets more and more difficult to understand where anybody goes and how anybody gets playing time. Yeah. Well, I think, I think though, like going back to our original topic here is that this is sending subliminal messages. This is like the goal is to try and get Bo to obviously, you know, I, I hear them talking about set baseball central. He's not going to suggest hey, let me, let me give second base a shot, see what I can do there. But just continuing every every big game, every every Ryu start. Hey man, you're the DH. We believe in Marcus today. I don't know. I think that that's got to go. That, it's got to go somewhere. Is that the way you win a championship by being kind of passive like that and sending subliminal messages to your stars, or does it take an organization to uh, stand there and say, "Here's the deal, and this is what we need to do about it"? And look again. Still very early in the season. Things can change. And I do think, I was thinking about this the other day. I was walking down the street. It was really sunny and I was starting to feel good for like just a brief period of time. And I thought to myself, if in time these guys figure it out, if Kevin starts to play third base and, and Bo's playing shortstop and they're playing it like well at, at an average level, maybe slightly above average level, you know, if that's even possible, wouldn't it be a better experience to have gone through that with them and given them that opportunity and trusted them and believed in them and have them overcome whatever it is that are is holding them back and to learn that position better than to give up on them at this early point and then never really know because we all struggle with things in our lives and it takes it takes so much time to to change things about ourselves and about the way that we go about things. And I guess the question is, do they deserve that time? Yeah, that's fair. I mean, to me, Bo deserves it a bit more than Gavin, given what I think his potential is as a super perennial all-star superstar player in, in the leagues and maybe have one of the best bats at shortstop, probably the best or top three bats in the american league at least you know up there um cabin biggio i'm not so sure if we need to really wait things out forever with him but i mean 
you're you're totally right. I mean, it's a really short amount of time, and I do think that giving up on him now, or or you know, like taking that big league approach, like man, we're, we we want to win a championship, and we don't think you can do that there. To do that to someone that early, that young, this quick into a season, I think that could really um, infuriate a player and and feel like his career was tanked because you gave up on him in a bad stretch. Which, in his mind, I'm sure he thinks I'm, it's not that I need to get better. It's that I'm 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 in a bad stretch right now. And if I've learned one thing about baseball, watching it for the number of hours that I have. <laughs> It's that when you have a spotlight and a flashlight shining on something, it it doesn't usually get better until that light is shining somewhere else. And right now, all of the lights are just shining on Kevin and Bo's defense. And uh, that's, you know, it's like the same thing when Rowdy couldn't hit. And we're like, Rowdy can't hit. Let's, let's, we're done with him. And until, until they got that hit, he wasn't going to be able to get out of that funk, right? And then he got he got that one hit, and then he starts hitting dingers, and then he starts hitting doubles, and now it's just like we're not. I mean, Rowdy could probably be better, but at least we're like he he seems fine, you know. Yeah, baseball is really interesting that way, and that's a really good point. <clears throat> it's you're so alone in baseball. The spotlight is always on you if the play is on you. It's mm-hmm. it's like in it's like in it's like in basketball or something. If you have a wide open three. It's like the game stops for that a second. Free throw, everyone, a free throw every, that you need yeah. to, to hit to win the game. Yeah, everyone's staring at you, and you have enough time to get in your head about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's why you see these ebbs and flows a lot in baseball is because the amount of time it takes to manage the mental battle and to get in and out of those mental spaces is significant. And because it's so slight, you know, it, it can happen so fast, and then it grows just like a snowball rolling down a hill it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger until all of a sudden that breaks and you're seeing you know danny jansen in one of the biggest snowballs anybody's ever seen in their entire life and it's so hard to get out of that because you feel those eyes on you you feel people talking about you Mm -hmm. even if you don't listen to it you know they are you know you're not batting 49 in the big leagues and not having people talk about you. and it doesn't even matter that other people talking about you because you're talking about you in your head and that's way worse yeah (laughs) you know you go to a baseball stadium i don't even care if there's that many fans in the stadium or not even if there's 4,500 people you look up at that jumbotron you see 49 (laughs) <laughs> even people who aren't in baseball like who don't like watch baseball that much would be like 49 <laughs> you know you just hear voices and he's, hit, he's hitting almost 500 no 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 Z- 0.049 <laughs> is that his era <laughs> <laughs> yeah one man. thing that could one thing that could take the pressure off of uh bichette and cavin is uh a downward trajectory with Vladdy. And now hold on before uh, you get too far with this. This is just something that I've been thinking. Now, Vladdy, in my opinion, looked quite bad on Saturday. He seemed like he was moody. He was arguing with the umpire. He was, took a vicious hack at a ball in the dirt in, his, in a uh, chance to tie the game in the last at-bat of the game on Saturday. He was swinging then before on- it was halfway to the plate, twice in a row. And that was 2020 Vladdy. And there was some 2019 Vladdy who did that as well. And so 
on Sunday, he goes over again and, you know, he's been amazing. He's been absolutely amazing. His average has dropped about 50, 60 points though. And his on-base percentage has dropped, I don't know, about a hundred points early in the season, obviously to get that kind of a significant drop. What I think is we are about to see how far Vladdy's actually come because it's in the struggle that you're going to see what he's made of. Because mm-hmm. every when Vladdy's going good and he's comfortable and he's relaxed and everybody's talking good about him and he's joking at for bit first base and he's the, the king of Kensington and everybody loves him. And what I wonder is, you know, anything that you're struggling with, if it's booze, overeating, you know, whatever, whatever the thing that you struggle with, once that trigger happens to you how do you react to it do you run for the bottle do you fucking dial pizza hut and so i wonder how he's going to react to a bit of a struggle if this thing uh keeps going i want to know like how it manifests itself on defense and what he looks like at the plate because i cannot go back to a 2020 vladdy yeah it's so interesting i think moody is a really appropriate word that you chose there because it seemed like the struggle happened before he started the game like it was right off the top something totally. looked, there was a different energy about him and then it led to struggling it wasn't like he had a bad couple of at bats and then he was moody i don't know there was it part of me was like is it that pine tar what what happened to his helmet why did he tar up the helmet like that man it's like he saw yeah. this he saw the dirty christian vasquez's helmet from the boston red sox series that guy puts so much tar on you can't even see that it's a red sox helmet anymore and like i've always wondered if that's a dig i don't know i won't go down that road but uh you know what's what's he doing dirty he's 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 too flashy for that he doesn't need to put some tar on the helmet like that get out of here man i didn't realize that he hadn't been doing that since the boston series i didn't realize it was that new of a thing i I definitely clocked it but i just couldn't remember when he started doing that i can't either but I noticed but it, was it for the def- first time that day. But you're bang on that he brought that energy into that game. I feel like it had to have been something in his personal life because mm-hmm. he argued with the umpire in his first at-bat of the game, batting 390 with a 500 on base percentage, just killing it. And the pitch he argued on was a strike. Yeah, It was a nasty strike, but the TV showed it as a strike. The pitch tracker showed it as a strike. The umpire called it a strike. And he he got instantly irate about it and went off to the dugout. And then you saw him not be able to overcome that for the rest of the game and then perhaps even dragging it into Sunday. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we got to see. Hopefully, Joy Vlad is back tonight. I I hope I hope that that's true. And I know it's not really fair to do a segment on like, <laughs> being hard on Platty, but uh you know but it is not, what it it's is. It's not being hard on him. It's like we're concerned for him. You know, there's like oh yeah, we're worried, sure. we're worried about his happiness. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I don't even know why we're laughing. It's true. I, I absolutely am. Uh, I want to talk about Tatis and Bauer. Okay. Um, this is a little like big league news, big league Here. news, big league news, news, news. Um, so one of the most exciting things so far in this young baseball season for me is the Dodgers Padres rivalry. 
It is like baseball met WWF. There's so many personalities on both those teams. There's so much history and they have really great ways of expressing it and rising to the occasion of these massive moments. So Trevor Bauer, I'll try to do this as quickly as possible. Trevor Bauer in the spring training was doing a thing where he was closing one eye and pitching the ball. So he was <laughs> striking, striking people, people out. Yeah, striking people out with one eye open. So And then pointing cut. to it after it and showing that his eye was closed. <laughs> yeah, and then doing a YouTube video and like zooming in yes. and like talking about it. Yes. And, you know, whatever. So then Very cut fun. to totally. I, I agree. I think some people uh can't stand Trevor Bauer, but I'm not, I'm not one of those people. Um, so then cut to Padres, Dodgers, Fernando Tatis and Trevor Bauer. If it wasn't the first pitch of the game, it was the second Tatis hits a bomb off Trevor Bauer. Um, and Tatis, uh, rounds first base back pedals, staring to his own dugout, covering one of his eyes with his hands to, you know, troll Trevor Bauer in his one eye closed and yes. whatever. Yes. And then when and then when Tatis crosses the plate, he does the Connor McGregor. No, that was in the second home run he hit. The first one he didn't do that. He hit two home runs that game. Oh, I thought he did both things in the first in the first dinger. No. Okay. So and then in the second dinger, he hits this I mean, we'll get into that in a second here, but uh he hits another home run and he crosses the plate and does the Connor McGregor strut that also Trevor Bauer does all the time. He does yeah. it all the time when he strikes people out. Yeah. Um now in this at bat uh he hit a crazy pitch. It was a cutter way off the plate way outside. and he smoked it. And you can see in a video that Tatis peeks down not to get the sign of the pitch but to see the positioning of the catcher, sees that the catcher is setting up outside. So he's able to uh, or cover he just that location. Was looking for the pitch and was too late. I, I agree that that's a possibility, but to hit that pitch out and to pull that pitch, you would have to think that he was aware it was going outside. Yeah. Um. So then somebody caught this. I don't. They didn't catch it in the game or whatever, but uh, fans saw it and made a video of it. John Boy did a video of it. And so then Trevor Bauer made a video of it and said to Tatis, you know, I love the celebration. think that's really great for baseball, but don't ever look at the pitches again. <laughs> well, and he's, and he's basically saying, which is another thing he was doing in spring training. Like if you want to know what's coming, just ask daddy. Oh yeah. That was a good <laughs> or whatever. I don't know what the exact quote was, but there was and also in spring training when, when Trevor Bauer was using uh, what, Hit or pitchers and catchers use as signaling in uh, bullpen sessions and warm up pitches to the catcher or the the pitcher will signal using a variety of different uh, glove maneuvers to tell the the, the catcher what he's going to throw and he was also doing that and striking uh, he did a whole series of doing that with uh, uh, Jose Ramirez. Jose Ramirez and he did a video about that you can see as well so there's tons of very fun back and forth going on. Bowers in the middle of all of it. Um, I thought I, I I saw all this happening and I was like, okay, what can Bauer do next? And I was thinking of what the most fun thing that I would do if I was in Bauer's shoes. I would buy the exact same sunglasses that Tatis has, and I'd keep them in my pocket. And if I struck them out, I would kind of just like step off the mound and like slowly put on the sunglasses. 
and, <laughs> and uh, just kind of smile, looking at him walking back towards the <laughs> towards the dugout with his sunglasses on. And then I was like, "Wait, Happy. are pitchers allowed to wear sunglasses?" And I did this whole uh, Google deep dive into whether or not any pitchers ever pitch with sunglasses on, and how cool that would be. That would be really funny, especially if he didn't strike anybody out and Tatis hit a bomb and then he noticed the sunglasses in his pocket and he's like, hey, what are those? Yeah. What are those? And he's like, nothing. Never mind. Um, and then there was actually a really funny response to that. Uh, just ask daddy tweet where uh, Tatis had like a doll of Trevor Bauer. Yes. Did you see that? He had yes. a little Dodgers doll. Um, anyway, all this is to say, I find this extremely exciting like you could not stop me from watching a bauer tatis at bat now the drama is so um high there and, and what i love about it and i love the trevor bauer perspective is that they're allowing that he's all about allowing that kind of celebration that kind of um emotion in the game and not being like yeah, you do that again i'm gonna hit you in the fucking ribs um now he might hit him in the ribs if he peeks at the catcher again but when you see Tatis and you see him and you see what a leader he is and and how he's able to um, achieve in those massive big moments and he you know he does the hand over the eye and the Conor McGregor stretch when you see Acuna who's able to um, hit dingers in massive moments who's had the Marlins throw at him so many times and been at the center of uh, heated rivalries between him and divisional teams. And then you see Soto who came up in the league and was like yanking his crotch and licking his chops and staring down pitchers when he was 19 years old. Those are guys that I want on this team. And I wonder who do we have that has that capability? We have, in my opinion, no one we've got, a. Uh, Vladdy, who's just a lovable uh, character. He's a really nice guy. You got Bo, who's kind of like a non-threatening, cocky kid. And then every like Teoscar's just like a like a nice kind of jokester. Guriel, no way. Biggio is just like a very serious, uh, passive kind of guy. And I wonder, do we need that we to don't, become a championship team? I I think that Bo would be capable of what Tatis, Tatis's action were, but we don't have an instigator in our league. We don't have a Trevor Bauer. Like if Trevor Bauer struck out Bo Bichette with one eye closed in spring trainer, I think I think Bo would be the kind of guy around go, running around the bases. He would be going back at Bauer, whether he would do the one eyed closed thing. But I could sense that kind of thing happening. But we don't really. I don't. I don't. I don't know. I think it takes it takes two to tango, and and Bauer is kind of the king of that kind of instigation and trolling in the league, and we don't get to face him anymore. I think you're right that Bo's the closest. I'm not completely convinced that he would do that, having given the chance. I could see him also just hitting a home run and like flipping his bat and running around the bases, which is fine. It comes down to this. Do you find this Blue Jays team entertaining? Do you like watching their games? Do the games excite you? Are you entertained by them? Well, did you hear my game diary? Well, you were wrecked on Benadryl. <laughs> so, and it was also a game in the trop. But that's also another thing. I forgot to mention this. Anybody out there who's like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do Benadryl and watch a game and prove Jacob wrong. It has to be a game at the trop. That's a massive element to Where that experience. only one run is scored <laughs> over the course of three and a half hours. Um, 
I, I find this team exciting to watch. I think that that it's been an incredibly frustrating season thus far of entertainment levels because the combination of great pitching on our side, terrible defense, and really streaky hitting is just a rough combination for entertainment because it's like, great, we keep we keep uh, shutting these guys out, so we're not getting we're not getting lit up. And then it's like, oh, just another inning where it's like a, a one hit inning and stranding a guy on base, and then we're letting a guy on base and extending the the defensive inning because of an error. It's like it's really a grind to watch, but you know, the the offense is going to get better. The pitching is going to get worse, and the defense, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen there. But yeah. uh, the the type of baseball we're playing is going to change, I think. I think if the pitching gets a little bit worse, but the defense gets a little bit better, it could balance itself out. Yeah. Um, I mean, the pitching could also get better. We've had a lot of injuries. I mean, It's hard to say that yeah. when you have the best... A bullpen ERA in baseball and you have like a top three uh, regular ERA or in the league or I don't know I don't uh, we should say that uh, I don't know you we brought this up in your game diary that Ryu hurt himself it seems like it's not that serious it doesn't seem like he's gonna miss a start he just like yanked his hamstring or his butt or something but think that he's gonna be fine um but the Blue Jays are going into a two-game series in Dunedin against the Washington Nationals, the Juan Soto-less Washington Nationals. Soto is on the injured list, but guess who is coming back? George Springer. I don't even know if this is 100% official, but I'm saying this like it's 100% official because I can't be yanked around on this anymore. George Springer's starting tonight. He's leading off and playing center field tonight. Oh, baby. Oh, baby. This, this is going to be the first glimpse. I mean, still no Tay Oscar, but this is going to be the first glimpse of the $150 million man in this lineup. And, and lucky for George Springer that his first game back in the big leagues is up against Max Scherzer. How many Cy Youngs does Max Scherzer have? Four? Yeah, three or four. But he's 36 years old. He lets up a lot of dingers, and George Springer hits a lot of dingers. I like the matchup. Um, these Washington Nationals, especially without Soto, aren't uh, all that great. They're 9-11. and 11. It's just a two-game series. The Jays got the worm, earthworm. <laughs> I don't even know why we call him the worm, man. I feel so bad every time I call him the worm. I think he'd like it. You think he'd like it? Yeah. You think if he heard this, he'd be like, why are they... They call me the worm. Why do they call me the worm? Oh, Trent, I think it's just because of the way you look. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, you might not tell him that you call him the worm because of the way he looks or the way he okay, looks so, in previous years. Why do they call me off the worm? The reserve? <laughs> why do they call me the worm? Oh, it's just uh, the way you come across emotionally. Like you're a worm. What <laughs> what's better? No, Would you rather no, no. We'd be like, man, like we, a worm. we love Earthworm Jim. Played that <laughs> played that game on my uh, game gear. And you know, he's awesome. You're awesome. So we call you the worm, man. I do think we're on the record though 
on this podcast of you saying, or me saying, I think it was you, uh, that it just, his neck just continues to the top of his head and he's a worm. Yes, that's exactly what I said, but that was a <laughs> long time ago and he doesn't need to know that. Dude, I'm so, I, I, I just want to talk a little bit again about how excited I am for George Springer to, to play tonight. Like this is this we're a month into the season and we're seeing him for the first time. It's like we've just made a trade. We've just like done a blockbuster trade. Except for we didn't have to give anything up and we've got like a, a top ten player in the league coming on our team now. I'm really excited too. I I'm guarded about it though. Yeah, I'm of just like I'm, of course I'm, hesit- I'm I'm hesitant because I don't I don't want him to, I don't want to put too much pressure on him. I don't want him to hurt himself. I don't want to witness him hurting himself. I don't want him to uh, I, I just can, I just foresee this moment of like in the sixth inning and the, right after a commercial break and it'll be like, and Jonathan Davis is now in center field and uh, George Springer has been taken out of the game. And you're like, Oh fuck. I, mean, I think it's just a precaution, but <laughs> the blue Jays but don't want to take any chances. It won't fully hit me until you see Springer in that uniform leading off. Or, I mean, I guess we'll see him in center field before you see him leading off. But, uh, I mean, best case scenario is all our problems are solved. Yeah. <laughs> and our offense ignites. You know what I need? I really, I think we all need, like, I want to, I want like an eight game win streak, like a 10 game. I want to go on a run. I want to feel the energy. I want to, I want to roll like the fucking A's again. How many runs do they get to go on? As like a really mediocre team that loses dudes and like they just get to go rip off an eight like I can't, come on, we need this. I wonder what Marcus Simeon thinks of that. Uh I agree, man. I would love a big win streak that was largely provided by the offense. And you know, it's fun to win one nothing. Not necessarily fun to watch. I would like to see eight six. Eight four. I, I don't. Also, I don't love blowouts. I don't want to see the Jays win by like ten. It's not all that fun to watch either. But yes, I would love this to be a turning of the tides of the season because you know, as you were saying, what takes the what takes the spotlight off of Cavan and Bo? It's the return of George Springer. Mm-hmm. That's all anybody's going to be if if he plays tonight, which it seems like he's going to. All reports seem to suggests that it's likely that he's going to play tonight. If that's true, that's all anybody's going to be talking about on Blue Jays Central, on Sportsnet, all this. They're going to give Kevin and Bo a little bit of a rest, I think, for tonight if George Springer can come back, and that could do wonders. Mm-hmm. It sure could. It sure could. And like, it's not going to be just like, we're going to take a turn off talking about the negative. We're going to, there's going to be like a national attention and a U.S. attention on like, hey, the Blue Jays have been in it uh, and are playing like basically 500 baseball. They didn't, you know, they they've, they haven't lost a step really. And the, the American League race, the AL East is up for grabs for anyone. The Blue Jays stayed in it and hey, they're getting... George Springer, the $150 million man, uh, to to step in now. Like, I feel like it's going to be nice. Like, people are going to be like, excited. Here's the first look at George Springer as a Blue Jay. That's going to be playing across Sports Center. You know, uh, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be an exciting time for the Blue Jays. Yes, it is. Give me his uh, line tonight. <laughs> Give me his offensive line. Ooh. Uh... 
I'm going to say two for four with a walk. Two for four with what a walk. Is, what is, what is, first first at bat, just going to be a nice they? single right up the middle. Come in there. Ba, 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 easy money, easy money. Then, you know, third at bat, uh, he's going to just just crack a double off the wall. Easy, just smack it there. He's going to be standing at second. He's going to have driven in a run. And uh, then he's going to walk, and a crucial walk late in the game. Bichette's going to come up. He's going to move him along, but it's going to be an out. Vladdy's going to come in. Pfft, dinger. Game winning. Wow. The, uh, <laughs> the, speci- the specificity of that really puts you, uh, really makes it easy for you to be wrong in many, in many different avenues. You could have easily just said two for four um, and just left it at that, and you would have had a shot. You would have had a shot. At being correct, but you no, know, man, love, I, love the detail. I think one for four with a walk. And what I'll say about the one for four is going to be a key double. And I'm not really sure when hey, it's going to be a, a latter, a, a latter half of the game key double. And uh, he's going to get to second base. And then he's going to immediately be removed for Jonathan Davis because he ranked his quad. oh that's brutal that's brutal i'm sorry i said that but to be fair to myself nothing i've ever said on here has come true so uh, i can say whatever i want uh all right anything else jacob i just wanted to uh jump back into the review world for a second before we sign off and uh thank our our latest reviewer giving us five stars uh dan mac de gong he uh, titles his review, I Want More. It says, five stars. Hi, guys. Have you considered doing two episodes a day? I've seen podcasts do once a week or once a day, but never twice a day. Just a thought. Keep up the wor- good work. Ross, in brackets, Mako Atkins. Dan McDagong, thank you wait, for that so- review. I mean, something that we need to so consider. Wait, this is... This is also Ross Atkins. So we have two versions of Ross Atkins uh, giving us reviews. Now. I mean, he's 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 letting us know that his name is Dan McDagong, but he's also Ross Mako Atkins. Neither of those sound like names. <laughs> <laughs> I I, I, I want know. someone to get the fucking cojones to come on one of these reviews and say this is my name. This no. is who I am. Well, I think he, he's saying his name is Dan Mac. His, his name is Dan Mac, but he's just kind of like jumping in this fun world of saying like, hey, I'm also Ross Atkins, <laughs> like Spartacus oh. over here. Mac, M-A-C-K? Yeah, that's right. Oh, that's, no, that's a real name. That sounds like a real name. Yep. I, I apologize to Dan Mac. Dan Mac has uh, big cojones, and he yeah. put his real name on the review. And, and he is and, Doug uh, you're, you're Yeah. And he's an underdog for life. Oh, yeah. Well, obviously, I mean, he's clearly was listening when we were doing every day. Says that wasn't enough. Can you do two a day? Yeah. Well, would also suggest he hasn't been listening since we stopped doing it every day. Um, Interesting. Maybe, <laughs> maybe he's really missing. Obviously, he's missing. Obviously, he's missing us doing every day if he wants us to be doing two a day. I, I'd be surprised if he would listen to two a day. But it's an idea. Yeah. 
You know, maybe maybe if the Dan, second podcast if, is just like a just chatting kind of thing. We don't even talk baseball. Yeah. If Dan Mac the Gong wants to produce our podcast, we'll do it twice a day. And what does that mean, produced? Like he gives us the um, topics? Means no, he can do all of the editing. We just show up, we slink in and we belt into these mics and then we go off and get <laughs> massages and have a nice meal. How is that different does- for you than what already happens, <laughs> David? <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't get massages. I don't right. want him to write the game diaries. Okay, yeah, I want that's him fair. to write the. I want. I want him to think of the topics, and I just want to be able to see a list and be like, okay, 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 all right, I'm good. And then we start. And then, oh, also the other key element to him producing, which I should have said right away, thousand uh, dollars a day for each of us. Okay, yeah, that's fair. But I just want to also say thank yeah. you, Dan McDagon, for giving us that five star review and. And I want to pressure you listening right now. If you haven't given us a review, if you haven't interacted with us, you haven't given us that five stars, it helps us get into the whatever the podcast world's algorithm is. Please help us out. We appreciate it. And we will probably do five minutes about your review as we as we tend to do. Um, so shout out to you. And shout out to the Rays fans um, who had this hilarious uh, cheer, jeer, Every time that Jordan Romano did a squat before he pitched, he would, as he was going down, they'd all go, oh, or, or I wasn't sure if they were all saying like fart <laughs> or if they was just like, they loved him doing his squat. Every, like everyone in the, st- I, David said he didn't notice. I texted him about it, but um, it was one of my favorite things that's happened this season. Be on the lookout for it. See if other people are doing it. Jordan Romano sucks now, I guess, but uh, maybe it's that. Maybe it's, I don't know. That's that's it for me. Sorry, David. I just got blasted all that out. No, I it was just it cut out, and so I couldn't tell if it was if you had just left me and I was alone by myself, or now we're back, baby. We're back. Uh, George Springer back tonight. Get into it, and we'll be back later this week.